Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well... Oh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. United States of Awareness. In this episode, Eckhart talks to a live audience with participants from around the world. He calls them the United States of Awareness. He says awakening humans are experiencing a metamorphosis, like caterpillars becoming butterflies. He emphasizes the most important thing that we must tend to is our state of consciousness, letting go of our judgments and our reactivity. He urges us to make it a practice that whatever happens in our lives, accept that it's exactly what we need in that moment for our spiritual growth. This evening, probably, I'm mainly going to talk about how to be here, about your state of consciousness here. I'm saying probably because you never know what comes out of the present moment. The most important thing here, which by the way is also the most important thing in your entire life, is your state of consciousness, no matter what's going on in your life, where you are, who you're with, or what you're doing. The primary factor in whatever you're experiencing is your state of consciousness, because it is through your particular state of consciousness that you experience things. So if you are heavily identified with the conditioned thinking mind and all its preconditioned beliefs, opinions, judgments, then that's the way you perceive the world, through the veil of that. If there are turbulent or heavy emotions running through you that you're identified with, then you will experience the world around you, other people, situations, through the veil of those emotions and you think that's how the world is, that's reality. So it's as you know all that and if you are present then you experience people, situations and whatever is going on in your life, places very differently. This opportunity here is for you to practice being absolutely present and make that the main focus rather than anything else. Leave your mind as much as possible behind. Easier said than done. Your state of consciousness not only determines your life, it's even becomes two, three, four, five times more important when most of you or all of you work with people in one way or another. And no matter in what capacity you work with people, 
whatever your state of consciousness is, it will transmit itself to the people that you work with. So here, as ideal as you can get for the practice of presence, but it won't be 100% ideal. There need to be little things to challenge you, and sometimes there are big things to challenge you. But little things are everywhere. Little things to challenge you okay, all the time. Make it your practice, say that whatever happens here is the perfect situation for you. So, so let go of the judgmental mind, the complaining entity, and see what happens if you approach each moment in that state of surrender. And then the depths will reveal itself to you that you hadn't noticed before because you were trapped in the, the veil of the judgmental mind. A very wonderful thing of, is being here with many others from all over the world who are also awakening, or many of you are already awake most of the time. And I was asked uh, not long ago, when you travel, somebody asked me, how is it that you go to different countries and you meet different people, different nationalities? Are there big differences in how people receive these teachings? And I was surprised when I answered, because I hadn't known it before, because I hadn't thought about it. Actually, all those humans who are in the awakening process begin to resonate at a certain frequency that is the same for all of them. So you may find here, when you meet somebody from a very distant country, you find something that unites you, that transcends cultural conditioning and social conditioning. And that's a wonderful thing. So it's almost like a, a new species is coming out of the old. And you are part of that. And no matter where you go in the world, you will very quickly recognize those who are also in the awakening process. That reminds me, I was going to put this on before coming on stage, but I forgot. I've had it for years, a badge somebody gave me. <laughs> it says USA if you read it vertically, but if you read it horizontally, it says United States of Awareness. <laughs> now, that is a work in progress, of course. <laughs> all the awakening humans, when, as humans awaken all over the planet, that would eventually become the United States of Awareness. So let's focus on your state of consciousness right now. It's easy relatively easy to be present as you sit here. So use every moment here, whether you're walking, sitting, standing, eating, to practice presence. First of all, nature. Nature that surrounds you here is remarkable. There's a magic to it, just watching nature as you walk or sit or go to the beach. And as you watch nature, be there as, not as a person, but as a conscious presence that is perceiving all that amazing magic. 
So you go, you listen, all your senses are alert because that is part of presence. And you can not only look, you listen, the sounds, the wind, birds, or the ocean. You can feel the breeze on your skin. You smell the air. And you're practicing being in this world as a walking presence rather than as a person with a history. That's still going to be there. That's, don't worry. You still have your history. You rem remember who you are or your past. But the shift is that the formless you, the timeless you, which is consciousness itself, emerges more and more fully through the gaps in the temporal you, through the gaps between two thoughts. It emerges even through the cells of your body, so that there's a lightness to who you are. This has nothing to do with your physical weight. There's a lightness to who you are as presence emerges and you as the personality, the personality loses its opaqueness, its density. If you look at any human who has no access to the spirit dimension, has had no separation yet between who they are as consciousness and their thought processes and emotional processes. There is a density to those humans, and it doesn't mean that the spirit dimension is not present in them, it is, but it's being obscured by the density of mental-emotional conditioning. And this density of mental-emotional conditioning is called a person. <laughs> and it has a name tag attached to it, and that's me. And all the things that make up the identity of the person consists of accumulations of certain predominant emotions and certain predominant thought patterns that go through their minds. So the combination of those predominant emotions and thought patterns make up the personality. Whatever might be happy looking or predominantly looking out for the next thing that's going wrong, it might be a fearful conditioning, emotional, mental. <laughs> Where's the next blow that the universe is going to give me going to come from? Or predominantly angry, looking for another excuse to be angry again. Please make me angry, I'm waiting for something. <laughs> I'm waiting for something to react to. So you have the, the person. Some persons are relatively well adjusted, but no person is really happy for long. No person has really any depth to him or herself. What well, they do, but they don't know it. So if you have a depth, but you don't sense your own depth, yours is a surface reality, then it's as if you didn't have it. But this is an experiential thing, and I believe that almost everyone here can verify in their own experience what it is that I'm talking about, because many of you will experience yourself. Sometimes the personality predominates again. Sometimes in certain situations in your life, the heaviness, the opaqueness, the density of the personality returns when you become very reactive. It happens easily in family situations, which are always the most 
the most difficult training ground, but the best for staying conscious, relationships, close relationships, and then come work situations and so on. You get challenged and the personality reasserts itself completely and you become just as unconscious as all the others who have never, never gone through any awakening process and then you wake up suddenly after a few hours or a day or a few minutes if you're lucky say, oh, what was that? And then whatever words you used to describe that, you said, I lost it completely. What did you lose? What I lost it. What? I lost, well, of course, you lost consciousness, awareness. You didn't know who you were anymore. You thought you were the little person again. <laughs> Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... A charcoal mask, great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice, I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. Because the awakening humans are like transitional entities, they are hybrids. The awakening humans are hybrids. We all know the caterpillar and the butterfly, the most incredible metamorphosis. When the caterpillar dies and, and the butterfly becomes transformed into the butterfly. So you, the awakening humans, many of them are like a butterfly that's emerging from the caterpillar, and then as it emerges from the caterpillar, it still experiences him or herself as a caterpillar, although he or she is already emerging as a butterfly, then he still falls back into thinking he's a caterpillar <laughs> and behaves like one, although he's already become a butterfly, and so then the butterfly starts behaving like a caterpillar again, can't fly anymore, it goes, And then you need something to remind you that you're not the caterpillar anymore. So the caterpillar in this analogy is the person without any awareness. Now, as presence arises in you, it does not mean that certain aspects of your personality will not remain. Certain aspects of your personality will remain because you have a form identity. Everybody has a form identity. There are certain ways in which you do things, maybe ways in which you speak. And if they are not dysfunctional, but just certain characteristics, they may remain. So if they are dysfunctional, that means there's an unconsciousness there. And those will dissolve as awareness shines through the person. So then what happens to us is Yes, you are still a person, but an, a different dimension of consciousness that is not conditioned shines through the personality. And 
as that grows, the personality of the person recedes more and more, and just enough remains so that you can function as a form in this world. All that remains, you can function well. You may find in your daily life fluctuations in the intensity of to what extent you are a person and to what extent you are the presence. And in your work situation, you will be of the greatest benefit if the personality can operate as, as little as possible, if the personality is in the background, so that when you work with people, you are predominantly presence. And that is a wonderful shift. I noticed that there was many years ago when I went through my shift in consciousness, people started coming to me to ask questions initially. Later I said, okay, I'm doing counseling sessions. But, but at first it was just people, people asking questions and then I would give answers. But the important thing here is when you work with somebody, there is you, there is the other person, there is whatever modality you apply to that situation that you have learned. You might be a doctor in which you spent many years accumulating knowledge and you apply that modality to this therapeutic situation. You may be a nurse, also you have to study several years to be a nurse, you apply that. If you're a therapist, you probably have gone therapy training, university, you have certain modalities of how you approach the therapeutic situation, what kind of questions you ask, what you're supposed to say, what you're not supposed to say. Or if you do body work, of course you have learned that, that is your modality. Whatever it is, that's fine, you, this is what you practice. But if that's all there is, you, a person practicing a modality of a therapeutic modality, then the most vital element is still missing. So there's always a third element there, in addition to you, the person, practicing the modality. But in between, there needs to be that alertness that you bring to the situation, which basically is there need to be moments when you're not thinking. That's basically, and that is how presence arises. If you are continuously thinking when working with somebody, what to do, how can I be help, I want to be helpful, it's what I say something that can really help this person. If you let go of that and become comfortable with not knowing for moments, then this depth dimension begins to come into the room through you and that really is the sacred dimension of two people being together. So you invite the presence in, and the presence is what really matters there. Already many of you probably are, have been doing it for perhaps for quite a long time, perhaps without even knowing it, that this is what it is. So we have a line in the Course in Miracles that says, a healer does not heal, he lets healing be. So even though you practice a modality, it's a balance. 
between still applying your knowledge to the situation, whether it's physical knowledge or whatever it is that you do, and yet not be confined to that in your interaction with that person. Is this the balance between what you know on the level of form and inviting the other dimension into the situation? And that is the real healing in a wider sense, which may result in physical healing, but there's a deeper healing that is much more important. Because what that really means, it's a, what the deeper healing is the awakening. It's the realization who you are beyond the person. And that can come to whoever you are working with. If you are not there predominantly as a person, but that is the, that is the essence of the healing situation, no matter what you do. So here we practice being the presence rather than the person. This becomes challenging the moment you interact with people here. But here the challenge is, I'd ask you to use that as an opportunity because the moment you start to interact through your mind with the mind of another, you can very easily get pulled out of presence. And, in, and before you know it, after two minutes of talking, you're completely in the mind, which is your ego, especially if there's a disagreement or something like that about spirituality or something. <laughs> And you know absolutely that you are right. <laughs> this a particular skill is required, and I ask you to practice here if you s interact with people, to stay present while you speak and listen to somebody, so that you don't get lost in the mental stream, which is often accompanied by certain emotions too. Don't get lost because it can drag you along. That mental stream can pull you and then you spout out all the usual stuff that you've been saying for years. <laughs> all the old positions and all the things that you're so sure of and that is how it is. Now many of you are not that deeply entrenched anymore but it could happen that you fall back into this caterpillar existence. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean Every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. So, to remain present when you begin to use the mind to interact with another requires enormous skill and alertness. Now, how does that look in practice? Well, first of all, you bring an alertness to the situation. First of all, when you listen to the other, you're not preparing your next statement in the mind. There's complete listening. And that's, of course, in any client situation also, that, that is a the vital practice, even though you might have an enormous amount of knowledge 
about what that what this person needs, and so there needs to be a, before you apply this enormous amount of knowledge that you have, which is good, there needs to be a space where you're not applying it yet. There needs to be a space where you give this person complete and utter attention. So you are there as an alert, receptive presence with the other person. Do not get buried underneath your knowledge that what you have learned to help others, but this can completely occupy your mind to such an extent that there's no space left to even realize that there is a human being there. We all know the cases of certain physicians and doctors, some of them who do, don't see you anymore as a human being, they see you as a symptom. They only address the symptom. There are some doctors, of course they wouldn't be here, they're not coming. <laughs> But there are some, there's, I know there are some doctors here, but they are different, they are conscious. Some of you may be here who, who are practicing spiritual healing, in which case, I mean, your natural state would be to be in that thoughtless awareness, and you wouldn't be thinking about, okay, what can I prescribe this person, or what, what is the case history, or what are many different types of healing. So, as you are with a the person, there needs to be spaces when you don't know anything. No matter how much knowledge you have acquired, you need to have spaces with that other person. They don't need to be long. I don't really want to put a figure to them, but let's, even if it's just 10 seconds, you have 20, 10, 20 seconds of when you're just looking and listening. And during that time, you're not searching your memory banks or in your mind for the, the, the thing, what is, how can I help this person, what do I need to do? And after you've given that person your complete attention, then the mind may operate and then you say, okay, this is, you may get insights, or you may apply your knowledge, and then you do that. And then again, there comes a moment, you give a fullest attention. And then you can, if you're a doctor, you suddenly, there's a true relationship. You're not relating to a patient predominantly anymore. Yes, on the level of form, he or she is a patient but you are also there as a human being. The human being, the human is the form. Your person, your body, your mental conditioning, your mind. The being is the formless dimension in you. So you are a coming together of form and formlessness. So as you practice, don't be a practitioner who is only human without any access to being. That's a very impoverished life and a very impoverished therapeutic situation too, when you're just there as a human. <laughs> In the therapeutic situation, the presence intensifies. That is an interesting thing. The moment a person comes, the session, whatever you call it, begins, the presence arises more than it would be in a normal situation. This is I encountered as soon as I started many years ago, seeing people privately for counseling. The moment they came, they came into the room. First they were on a park bench, and then eventually they came to a room. <laughs> and the moment they came in, they sat down, and, and in, the moment I looked at them, they started speaking, and there was not a single thought in my head. My mind was totally still, and there was just, okay. And then they started to talk, and then I could feel the presence. 
and there was a wonderful intensity, but a peaceful intensity to it. And out of that, usually, came the first things that came out of my mouth, and often it was an additional question, what about that, and another question. Again, without any prior decision, what I was going to say, it just came out of that field of presence. So I was lucky that I didn't know much about therapeutic situations. So there was not that much knowledge that I had to relinquish for those moments. <laughs> Simply by being so alert, raising the frequency through that, that alertness, that thought just doesn't happen. So you can start with, I sometimes it helps to, you can, you can say, okay, for, while I hold this, this represents the space between my two hands, represents the moment of no thought. And you go like that. You don't have to do it now, but you go like that. And let's say, let's give it 10 seconds right now. Are you able to simply let go of thinking and just remain as an aware presence here and now? Start now. Okay, that was about 10 seconds. Now, you may feel it's almost like saying, don't think of a white elephant or something like that. And the moment you say, don't think of a white, you're thinking of a white elephant. This is the essence, really, of all spirituality, is to be able to relinquish thought. And not by falling below thought, which would be getting sleepy and tired, <coughs> So you can't think much anymore because you're too tired to think. This is your falling below thought. We are rising above thought. This is the next step in human evolution, is transcend thought. Transcend doesn't mean it doesn't happen anymore, but you go beyond it, you can use it, but you're no longer confined by it. Now those humans who are not awakened are confined by their thinking. They are trapped in the conditioned mind. And so we are becoming free of this prison, which is the being imprisoned by your conditioned mind and mistaking it for who you are. <laughs> this is the essence of not knowing who you are in reality. So the practice then, practice it here. When you're not thinking, you're still there as the essential you is still there, and it's there more strongly. I believe when I wrote in the little book, Stillness Speaks, I think in the first sentence it says something like, you're never more essentially yourself than when you are still. That is the true essence of your being, that you can feel that as, your con as consciousness, as presence itself. That is who you are. So stillness, really, when I use the word stillness, it means rising above thought. It doesn't matter right now for how long you rise above thought. Little moments of presence are enough. And you will find, if you are able, in your daily life, and practice here, because here it's a very conducive environment for practicing, practice rising above thought here in whatever city, walking, looking around at nature, perceiving nature, 
What do you need to think? You don't need to know that this is called the Monterey pine tree. You know that already. And imagine doing that with another human being, where you can look at another human being without any conceptualization. And then you can sense that this presence that is you, also in them, it's the same presence, the same one consciousness. You sense it in the other. If the mind is still, and then suddenly you have the true empathy, which means really, another word for it is really love or lovingness, is to, to recognize that you and the other are in essence one. So if you can practice that here, not only with trees, but also with other humans, which is a little bit more difficult because they have noisy minds. The tree doesn't have a noisy mind. So it's easy to be still with a tree and present. You can even sense the stillness of the tree if you are still enough, because only the stillness in you can sense the fact that the tree is very still. But can you sense the stillness in another human who can't stop talking to you? <laughs> That's possible too, but you have to sense it within. So no matter where you go, if you look at teachings, in Jesus' teachings, we only really have it as fragments. We don't have a complete teaching. It's miraculous that these fragments survive. But in the fragments of the teachings of Jesus, you can also see that he talks about the importance of take no thought for the morrow, but just give attention to what is here now. Don't be worried. Don't, don't judge. It's all, it's all the mind. We have it very clearly in the Buddha's teaching. The degree of absence of thoughts is the measure for progress on the spiritual path. You can't start thinking about this answer now, obviously. <laughs> this answer is a pointer, and you can only understand what he's talking about by not thinking. <laughs> oh, and that is the Zen moment of Satori, when your mind stops and you go, ah, oh. thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you, Master, thank you. I got it now. Okay, that's good. Now, whether he still got it a minute later is secondary, but at least he got it now. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. Now, the greatest achievement, it does not matter your life situation, whether you consider your life up to this point a great success or medium success or not so good or failed at most things that I tried or never failed because I never tried anything. Now, these are all conceptual judgments of the mind, of course, whatever you say. All this is irrelevant if you consider what really matters is where you are in the evolution of human consciousness. How does the evolution of human consciousness manifest through you? That determines failure or success in life. And of course, the world doesn't know much about that. It doesn't know that. So if you are able to no longer be trapped in compulsive and involuntary thinking, then your life has succeeded beyond 
any measure, beyond measure. If you are able to transcend, you, this means consciousness, not you, the person. The person cannot transcend itself. The person is the identification with thought. The person is consciousness dreaming. The awakening is consciousness awakens, and then, yes, the person continues to be there, but you are there, then in lucid, the lucid dreaming, which is lucid living. If you are able to step out of thought by choice, then you embody the next step in the evolution of consciousness on the planet. And you are vital here, no matter what you do externally. Now, and that state, which is a state of connectedness with source, with the source consciousness, what repercussions that has in your life, we don't know. How it manifests, we don't know. It will manifest in different ways for different people. I spent many years of my life before anything much happened after the shift in consciousness, just being. I did occasional jobs eventually. I had temporary jobs here and there. But I wasn't, the presence wasn't manifesting for a very long time. It wasn't particularly, except gradually I was helping people with becoming more present. But even that took a while. There were still huge spaces. I wasn't seeing five people a day. I might be, at the beginning see two people a week. And there were these huge spaces of me be just being there and think, okay. And occasionally the mind would say, what's your life all about? You're not doing anything. <laughs> well, okay. That's how it is. And that goes on and on. And then at some point, something happened, it's almost as if I had to be in presence for a long, long time before it started to manifest first as a teaching to individuals and then it became a book and then it became this. I'm not doing it as a person, it's presence operating. If I were doing it as a person, I would become stressed. It would be unpleasant. So. See how much you can be in no thought while you're here. Don't overdo it, but... <laughs> and remember, no will, not willpower, don't push thought away. Just raise your frequency by being very alert and still. Occasionally you might feel your mind coming saying, okay, I'm not thinking now. <laughs> That's okay. And then you let go of that. That's a little cloud that comes and then it evaporates. And that is enormously satisfying because in that moment you are free of the person. Complete. The person is just relatively unimportant. There is a presence. And you notice that everything that surrounds you is perceived differently because there's a suddenly a depth to things. There's a depth to the tree. You can sense its aliveness. You can sense its sacredness, even though the mind might not be able to explain what sacredness is in conceptual terms. You can sense the sacredness of the tree or the animal or the other human. You can sense that presence only through your presence, but it's the same presence. You can even be present with inanimate objects and give them attention that otherwise the, you would not have done, because most people treat inanimate objects as means to an end, and that you never actually give attention to a pen that you use for writing, or you might not give attention to it when you're reading a book, 
The book is there to enable you to absorb the text, but the book also has an actual physical presence and you can relate and then you can you sense the, the, the beingness of even of inanimate objects. And you can do that wherever you are. You pick up an object, an ordinary object, and just for a few seconds give it your attention. You're not thinking about it, just giving attention. Touch something, you can feel it and see it. Look, can you look at this plant without thinking, is it real or fake? <laughs> Another thing you may want to try is driving without thinking. <laughs> Beautiful. Many people, most people drive on automatic. They are thinking while they're driving. One small part of their mind is doing the driving and the rest of their mind is thinking about something completely different. And sometimes they think so much that even the small part that's driving gets absorbed in their thinking and then the accident happens. But the driving also, it's a beautiful thing. It, your entire life experience gets transformed as you bring in more and more spaces of not thinking. And then, when you resume thinking, when it's needed, because you have, at some point you have to think, you actually think much more clearly because you've had spaces of no thought. Because the thought that you think, the thinking that then happens, you still have that connectedness with the depths of who you are, the source consciousness, which then inspires your thought processes rather than having thought processes that are repetitive, as most people have. Same thoughts again and again and again, year after year after year. So the inspired thinking can only come by bringing in no thinking. Inspired thinking depends on your ability to stop thinking. But stop thinking is an end in itself. It is so satisfying in itself because you experience life in a much more joyful way through not judging things. It's an amazing thing. If you compare that with the so-called normal human state of continuously finding fault, complaining, judging, criticizing, what a nightmare. And suddenly you go in that clarity of perception. That's again, that's the entire essence of Zen, the same, it, all the teaching is that. So, and being totally present is no thought. And then the, the mind-made self, the person, is no longer the foundation for your sense of identity. Your sense of identity has shifted from being this limited person with its ups and downs and successes and failures, likes and dislikes, opinions, viewpoints, has shifted from that. Your identity is consciousness itself. And that's the foundation for your sense of identity. So you don't need the what the ego, the ego is the false identity, and the ego needs defensiveness, it needs to be fed all the time, it needs to incorporate people and things into its sense of self, it feels always insufficient, not enough, ill at ease, irritated, 
angry, sad, complaining, all the different states. Uh, allowing this moment to be as it is, is one of the doorways into the state of not thinking. If you just always work with the present moment, allow it to be, because it already is, so what else can you do? It is. So you align yourself with the isness of what is, and then you realize a lot of the thinking is arguing with the isness. <laughs> so when you align yourself with the isness of things, then there's no need to think that much anymore, unless there's a specific problem to solve. But even there, if you have a problem to solve, to have fruitful thinking, go into no thinking fast before you start to think. Become still, present, alert. In that you don't need to anything, you don't need to go anywhere. You are still, present, alert. It's not a means to an end. You don't say, okay, I need to become still so that I can think better. It's not a means to an end. It's an end in itself. But it happens, so it, it happens that as you start thinking again, your thinking becomes more intelligent. And if there's a protracted problem to solve, make it a habit to think, what can we do, what, these are the possibilities, you might discuss it with somebody, and make it a habit to periodically step back into no thought. For one minute, half a minute, step back into no thought, two minutes, even 15 seconds can be helpful, just hmm. And then thinking resumes. You're more likely to find the solution to the problem in that way than only applying your analytical mind to it. Of course, this applies to whoever you're working with also, just always the stepping back, the dance between form and formlessness in your life. So you will be lying in your in or on your bed tonight and see if you can just be there and enjoy the presence. Any difficulty you have in not thinking, bring your attention into the body so you can feel the aliveness in the inner body while you're lying on your bed and you'll see no need to think and enjoy that moment fully. Mm -hmm. If any emotions come, allow this moment to be as it is. Nothing is rejected. Any emotion that comes is, oh, there it is. Maybe some fear, oh, I can feel a vibration there. But you are the awareness around it. You saw the emotion has, exists in that space of awareness, which is you. So it's like the awareness is the depth of the ocean and the emotion is the wave and the ripple on the surface. You are the ocean. You're also the surface, but the, that is only the, here's the emotion and here's the depths of the ocean. You can feel your own depths, and then you can allow the, the ripples and the waves to be there. Because you know you are not confined to that, you, you can sense that which is deeper than that. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, be well, and please remember practicing thoughtless awareness. United States of Awareness. Thank you. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Eckhart Tolle, Essential Teachings, 
the podcast. You can follow these essential teachings on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't yet, go to Spotify and follow this podcast. Join us next week for more enlightened teachings from Eckhart Tolle. Thank you for listening. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... A charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? Uh, hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.